0: Welcome to episode 57 of Panelology. I'm Alex. I'm Tony. I'm Logan. So, as you can tell, we have a couple of guests with us this week. While Jen and Brian are in New York, Tony returns. Hello, Alex. And for the first time, we have friend of the show, Logan. Howdy, everybody. uh, Who I know through voiceover for the show, Chase Parker. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, welcome. Thank you for joining us.
1: Uh, Thanks for inviting me. Happy to be here.
0: Um, The first thing we always ask people when they come on for the first time is, uh, how did you get into (coughs) comics and such things? Uh,
1: Well, I mean, I I got it through my dad. I'm actually, um, I'm named after Wolverine. (laughs) Oh, wow. So I was sort of, I was born into it. And then he worked at the Fantasy Factory from the time that I was four years old to the time that I was 16 or 17. So I spent more time in there getting to read comics for free as a kid than... I spent at my house. That was that was what I did. Cool. Um, it's led to me being a guy who looks like he should only like comics from, like, 2002, but his favorite books are from, you know, 1965.
0: Yeah. So. You're kind of the uh, reverse Mike. Really? <laughs> <laughs> really. Well, Mike stopped reading about then, and looks like he should have stopped reading about then, and.
1: Well, I will be Mike from Earth 2. Yeah. <laughs> very tickling. <difficult. laughs>
0: <laughs> Mike from Earth 2, and maybe minus about. 15, 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not going to say. <laughs> I guess maybe he's me from
1: Earth, too. I hadn't follow that. He'd be the older Golden Age one, I guess.
0: <clears throat> maybe he's the Watchman version of you. Ooh, hoo-hoo. That's mm-hmm. <laughs> He'd like that. He'd like that. Um, also, if you're wondering why there are trains in the background, dear listener at home, in addition to guest hosts, we have guest recording facility. From downtown Cartersville, which is in better shape than you might think if you've seen Guardians of the Galaxy yes. Volume 2, uh, in which it is destroyed. I haven't seen it yet, but I know I have, I've destroyed. seen it. Yeah, have uh, you seen it yet, Logan? Uh, yeah, I'd love. I would, okay. You, I it's, love a,
2: it's the Grand Theater and the Mellow Mushroom, for those of you who know Cartersville, wiped out. I'm yeah. sitting in there going, hey, I've been
0: there. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, they actually broke the Grand Theater sign and had to replace it with a oh. new sign.
1: Terrifying space mushrooms. Yes, okay. they were. I think <laughs> so. On behalf of Kurt Russell. Yes <laughs> <laughs>
0: yep I if I am lucky, we'll finally get to see it this weekend.
1: Uh, I've seen it twice I, I think it's I think it's fantastic. yeah,
0: I've only seen it once, but I loved it.
1: I hate yeah. that Jack Kirby didn't live to see it because I feel yeah. like it is his vision of a narrative on screen. It, it's yeah. fun, but it also touches on emotional <laughs> beats and, um, and it, it gets into the cosmic half of things, even though I think the only Kirby character in it is Groot. Uh, can, there's a lot. You can see his fingerprints on a lot of. Yeah.
2: It's, a, it's worth saying for the opening credit sequence, if nothing else. That's all cool. I'll say.
0: Yeah. Uh, so don't be late. <laughs> True. <laughs> <laughs> right, what did I just do? I just deleted the entire table from my show notes. Undo. All right. Well, want to talk about some comics? Yes. All right. So we're here. Well, let's jump into the last part of the button Ooh. Flash number 22. Yes. I will ask Logan first, as, as he what are, is the newest to the show.
1: What are What's our limit on spoilers here? Because I don't know if there's any part of the button that you
0: can talk about
1: spoiler-free, except that right. Batman and Flash are in it.
0: Well, um, yeah. here is what we usually do, and what, we, what we've been doing lately a lot for the button and Secret Empire, is we'll give sort of a quick, I liked it, I didn't like it, here are high-level the things that worked for me. And then I'll call spoilers, and we can get into whatever spoilers we want.
1: Okay. Well, depending on how things play out, I either loved it or I hated it. They have either they have either nailed the landing, depending on what they do moving forward in Doomsday Clock and stuff, or they have made a big mistake that I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know yet because we're not we don't really know yeah. what went down exactly.
0: Tony,
2: I would have to agree with Logan. I cool. mean, it's a neat idea. Uh, as far as the book itself goes, I loved Howard Porter's art. Mm-hmm. I love that he is back drawing superheroes. I mean, Scooby Apocalypse was okay, but art-wise, but yeah. his run on JLA is still one of the best runs ever to me. Yeah. But as far as the story goes, it's like, do you guys really want to go there? I mean, it's. I know one thing it's going to do. I mean, I don't think I'm giving anything away here. It's. And it's not hard to do this. It's going to piss Alan Moore off. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Big time. Yeah. If comics didn't do anything that would piss Alan Moore off, we'd have a very narrow margin of books. Exactly. <laughs> providing he told him. I mean, that's the main thing. I don't mean well, to yeah. throw shade on Mr. Moore, but I think no, Alan I mean, Moore he's may a big, be a little sensitive.
2: No, he's <laughs> a very talented writer. Uh, he's, he's just nuts. I mean, there's our buddies. <laughs> yeah. Very eccentric. Whether or not uh, he even knows this is going on can be a question. Uh, I'm going to just track back a bit, you know, when they did the uh, before Watchmen thing, because yeah. we all know this place, the button. we we'll are play in Watchmen. I I, you know, I had a mixed feeling towards that because there was some very good work there done by some very good creators but also sort of like some of this isn't very good Well, a lot of it just
0: didn't even feel necessary yeah it
2: felt unnecessary and that's the problem I'm sort of having with this yeah. where, like, Logan said we'll see what Doomsday Clock because it does have good creative people I mean, it's yeah. Jeff Johns and um, Gary Frank is doing yeah. there. I like them a lot so we'll see where it goes from there
1: Yeah, if, if it's going where I think it's going then i understand why you would pull the watchman for this because i think the story that johns wants to tell is one that you really can't tell without dr manhattan i yeah. think he's the only character in comicdom yeah that can stand opposite superman on that on that issue yeah. <laughs> my problem was more with there is a kind uh, of is it a spoiler if i mentioned something that's on the cover which By cover. my <laughs> definition... Well,
0: no, it's on the standard cover. It's on every cover, okay. if it's what I think it is. It's on every cover. He's on every cover. Right. Yeah.
1: Um, I am a huge Jay Garrick fan. Mm-hmm. I, I oh, yes. It. I love the JSA. Jay Garrick is in yes. my top ten favorite superheroes. He's my favorite Flash. I For all the things about the Flash's world that I love, I've never... I love the rogues. I love the world. I love Central and Keystone City. I've never really liked Wally or Barry. Wally mm, has wow. been... Wally has been nothing but whiny since the <laughs> Wolfman Teen Titans run. His personification is that hes he has this almost Ben Grimm approach to things where he's constantly bemoaning his superpowers, except that he's not a monster. If being that fast is that much of a burden, just stop running fast.
0: Out of curiosity, uh, how have you felt about since his reintroduction at Rebirth? Is that still an issue for you in that?
1: I... I like having him back. I, I really prefer Wally West being Flash to Barry because the second half of what I was saying was Barry Allen mm. ranges from not having a personality to being very depressed. Mm. Um, I, I like Wally as the second Flash, and I like him in the world. It just, I I like what Wally brings to the table, but I don't tend to like him in stories. Even if you get into, my favorite story with him was the Zoom run from Jeff Johns, um, when, when Zoom killed his unborn yeah. children and all yeah. that um, there's some brilliant stuff but the, the really good character beats are Hunter Solomon they're Linda Park they're Jay Garrick and Bart and Wally kind of just is in the middle of it you know he doesn't really get a moment to shine so I'm happy that he's back I, I prefer him as the Flash to Barry but Jay's definitely my favorite Jay Garrick I feel like is the only Flash that if you read a story about him and he didn't have super speed you would still have an interesting character He's a scientist, he's a leader, he's the grandfather of of superheroes um, in a world where Superman is constantly being de-aged and de-aged. He's mm -hmm. in that spot. He's the the old guard. He invented superheroing, as everybody knows about it.
0: And that makes a lot of sense, too, in terms of him being a key figure for where Rebirth may be going. Right. And I think at this point is where we do need to call spoilers. Yes. (laughs) Um, So, if you haven't read it yet, then... Jump to the next section. And if you have read it yet or want to hear anyway, spoiler time. All right. I'm turning back now. That's right.
1: (laughs) So if Jay Garrick is really dead, I'm going to be upset. I don't think he is. I don't don't think think he's dead at all. No, I don't think he's not either. I think it. Here's what was one thing I noticed. You have the lenticular cover, and it switches back and forth between the, the very Golden Age homage cover and him burning through the screen. Yeah. On the side, you have the characters also in the issue listed Batman flash reverse flash that all makes sense there in the book
0: okay I'm glad you caught caught on <laughs> this too because I wanted to mention this the fourth one is red Robin who is not in this comic no. that's right he's not but I uh
1: so I think that that is supposed to be our nod that we did not just see Jay Garrett die he has been snatched by mr Oz
0: that may be the case I hadn't thought about it that way um at the very least I take it as a nod to that what is going on with, and this pretty well confirms it is Doctor Manhattan. That's right, right at the end. Um, what is going on with Doctor Manhattan is related to Mister Oz.
1: Well, and I have here um, one of the things that I wanted to, to mention. We don't actually we know that Doctor Manhattan is here. Presumably the blue hand, is, it has yes.
0: a Well, and even his speech bubbles or thought bubbles are styled are, as man. his were and in the style the panels are drawn. Yeah. But it?
1: we do not actually know that Manhattan killed the reverse flash. No. Reverse flash is killed, and we see that hand picking up the button. But that could very well have been, if he, he might not be the villain of this. He may simply be tracking the villain from his side of things the same way that, Superman and the Flash and Batman have been tracking it in the DC Mm
0: -hmm. universe. Well, and it's worth noting that both times we see Zoom in this arc, as well as when Saturn Girl mentions uh, uh, the forces at work here, the pronoun is always they. Right. It always is plural. Unless they're just being... Trying to be, to obfuscate the fact that, oh, it's uh you know a man or a woman, uh, it's they every time, yeah. and it is consistent across all writers, so yeah. I think it's there's more than one character at play here, whether it is like you say Manhattan tracking someone down or it's Manhattan in collusion with Mr. Oz or someone else
1: i I hope that you have such a fascinating fight between Superman and Dr. Manhattan. And I'm not just talking about a, a superhero Sloanfest. Yeah. But you when Superman as he's presented in Rebirth in Dr. Manhattan, you have Superman who is the quintessential comic book hero again now. He is he is traditional good values. He is righteous power, right? Which is something that's pretty much unique to Superman. And unique to the optimistic side of comics. He's yeah. a version of Superman that you never fear. Because you you feel safe with this Superman at the wheel. And then you have Dr. Manhattan, who is, for all intents and purposes, the Superman of the cynical Alan Moore 80s side of things. He's all that same power, but he's inhuman. He's lost his yeah. humanity. Yeah. He's He's out of touch. He's cynical and he's passive.
0: I'm curious, did you read Jeff Jones's interview with Blaster for the announcement on this? Okay, because he touches on that same idea. I was curious if right. you'd read that or if, if you're homing in on that in and of itself.
1: I think if you look at what's happening in media across the board right now, it doesn't yeah. have to be comics, we are looking at a real showdown between gritty and real yep. and optimistic and inspiring. Right. Yep. And I think that this comic... I, you know it's an event book so you know for all I know it might fall short but it's got a real chance to say something about where we need to go as as yeah. writers and storytellers because I I got to tell you as a fan I am I'm sick of gritty reboots Oh yes
2: I agree with you the, the,
1: the born identification of everything yes is something that you know it, it I'm ready for it to go away yeah and and hammering it into characters where it doesn't work and I think that it's affected our. I mean, I don't mean to to put too much weight on comics and movies. I think it's affected our world negatively.
0: Well, I don't disagree. I think it is absolutely the case that the ways in which popular media tells stories have an effect on and has more well on civilization. It yeah. does. Yeah. It it both reflects and affects mm-hmm. how audiences interact with the world and see the world thereafter. Maybe subtly and maybe gradually over time, it is the sum of multiple stories like this. But if every story you see in a movie theater is dour and bleak and bland for years at a time, that's going to color how you exactly. characterize yes, exactly, the world
1: yeah. i think and, and I think it's dangerous. i don't want to get political I'm not going to take a side here, yeah, but I think if you look at how political communication the country is broken down, we can't we don't have conversations anymore we have that's true fights. And everybody feels like we're on death's door. It's a little humorous. everybody feels like we're on death's door for opposite reasons yeah, it's like you would you would think people would realize that if if the other side is also as scared as you, you might not be as far skewed as you think. Yeah. but I really think it has to do with our media because yeah. people go to the movies. it's our escape and if it's if it's nineteen seventy eight and you see Superman. You know, reverse time, however hokey that is, and fix everything. You're gonna go home, and you're gonna say it's gonna be okay. If you go home after the dark night and you just watch that movie's pillar of morality <laughs> get his face melted off and fall off a building, you you're not gonna f- have that same comforting feeling.
0: Oh, are you telling me that you either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become a villain is not an optimistic message? <laughs>
1: I, I may reach out to that far.
0: Don't <laughs> <laughs> get me wrong. Right, I love that movie, but yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> yeah.
1: I well and you get into I Is Watchmen incredible? Unquestionably. Yes. It is a great comic. Did Watchmen's uh, quality affect comics poorly? I think that's very clear. Mm-hmm. I think that chasing Watchmen and Dark Knight Returns has led to more yes, that's gone for decades
0: of Yeah. Stuff. Well that's getting back to the entire mission behind what johns is doing with with, with his rebirth one shot last year and going forward is you, he's accepting that you cannot talk about restoring legacy without without accepting the influence that things that aren't part of continuity have had on legacy that's why you bring this in in the first place and right. to to touch back to before watchman like that felt unnecessary, and yes. like it was in a lot of ways cashing in. Now, I really like the two books Darwin Cook wrote, especially yeah. Minutemen, which oh, he also drew. Minumans. Oh yes, Minutemen, very good. Um, but that read kind of like cash grab. Mm-hmm. This feels intentional, and that to me is the big difference between the two. At least in, at least in the Johns stuff. Now, I agree with the idea that the button sets up more than it delivers. And I think Doomsday Clock, and I think maybe even more specifically Dark Days and Dark Nights. Dark Night? Yeah, Dark, Dark Metal. Dark, Dark Metal. Dark, Dark yeah. Metal. Um, uh, I think those may be where this spins out of, because we see Batman at the end of this yeah, in this a year. very different place. We actually see him doubting, it seems Mm -hmm. doubting whether or not he wants to continue after his father has told him, I don't want this life for you Jeff
1: John said that he's out of the picture
0: Okay, I didn't see that
1: which to me says that Batman has quit Um,
0: That makes sense given a couple of things Yeah, Um, We know that the next issue of Batman is coming back to this idea that Batman is building an army and gearing up for Mm -hmm. a conflict this may be the answer to why, because all the Batman books have teased into this idea that Batman is moving pieces in a specific way to a specific end. Right. Um, Tim called him out for this before he was taken off the board. It may be that Batman's doing that so he can stop. Yes. Um, Scott Snyder is going to be, for the first time in eight or nine years, not writing a Batman book when he finishes not this arc, but the following arc of All Star. Um, and the Batman ongoing is becoming a flashback. It's an eight issue War of the Jokes and Riddles. Yeah, yeah, I, I
1: caught that, um, which I'm really looking forward to. War of Jokes yeah. and Riddles. I think that. I think that's, that's gonna fantastic. be fantastic. I hope the Riddler wins, though. That's my <laughs> Always. Guess. I mean, Batman's gonna win, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, But, but
0: in Riddler versus Joker, I would love to see the Riddler get the upper hand.
1: The biggest thing is Joker doesn't need it. Right, like Joker doesn't need no. the push; he doesn't need a character moment. <laughs> Riddler really does; he needs <laughs> some more beats. Yeah. Something I wanted to uh, to bring up while we we're talking about this is Jay Garrick can't come back through Barry because no. he's not his anchor. Yeah. And he mentions he says to him, you know, as much if you can remember me, you can come back, and it doesn't work. But while he was able to, because Barry was his anchor.
0: Well, you know, I think there's a clear candidate for who his may be. I think it's Superman. Oh, I actually have a different option.
1: Uh, Johnny Thunder?
0: I think it's Johnny Thunder. That's true. Yeah. He's lost it's, the Thunder. Why right. does Jay Garrett kind of personify? And John, that's a good point. Johnny Thunder may be the more obvious choice.
1: But I think that if you look at Wally West coming back through Barry, Kid Flash spun out of the Flash comic. Mm-hmm. So the Flash is the focal point of, of his universe and his creation. And this is a very meta-narrative. Yeah. So if you look at who would be the guy... That Jay Garrick grew out of, his Golden Age hero, it's Superman. It yeah. would be he'd be the first superhero.
0: That does make sense.
1: I I would love if Superman pulled the JSA back in in Doomsday Clock.
0: And that would make make a lot of sense too in terms of if you kind of accept Superman through again meta narrative as encapsulating a lot of what the new 52 missed what it got wrong in terms of making him so young and so angry and angsty too much color yeah um (laughs) if you take him as being that and the fact that he has been uh, uh synthesized into a new superman who is both Current in continuity but also pre exists that world. They've they've mashed those two Supermen together now. It does, you're right, make sense thematically that he could be the anchor point if he gets to where he needs to be in becoming who he was before Flashpoint, then he can be Jay's lightning rod.
1: It is also when when people ask me who my favorite superheroes are, I always just say Superman because I don't wanna to have to get into that Superman is actually my first and second favorite superhero. The Earth Two Superman from Crisis on Infinite Earths, and he's the Golden Age Superman. He bears that continuity. It's my all-time favorite superhero. I don't, I don't think there's a better moment in comics than his last moment with the Anti-Monitor in Crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there's a better send-off for a yeah, hero. It's true, and uh, I would love if Doomsday Clock maybe not bring him back because again that that send-off is perfect, and there needs to come a time where you say, okay, this character is it's okay for yeah. him to be gone. But if this Superman brought back some part of his essence when he brought back the JSA, that would that would make me very happy.
0: Yeah. All right. Anything else on the button or Flash before we? Uh, nothing for me. Move no, forward? No. I did want
1: to mention just because Trinity's not pulling in the numbers that the button is that they covered in their Superman Reborn follow up issue, uh, which was not great, but it was informative that is an accurate description of that book <laughs>
2: that's a review you shoot for but great not great but informative Superman,
1: Batman, and Wonder Woman are keeping the Mr. Oz situation and the refusing of the two Superman under wraps yeah. they are the only three people that know and they're not telling anybody whereas Batman and the Flash are the only people that know about the button and Wally coming back and they aren't telling anybody
0: and Batman is the only person with the full story is off the table
1: right wow. I uh and I think that that could be building something very interesting. Trinity also has, super, that book revolves around Superman having a dream about his two halves being in a fight and, wonder, Man and wonder, Man, listen to me, wonder Woman and Batman trying to stop him. The very last thing that happens, though, is a swarm of past Superman, Batman, and Wonder Women attack them, and then it closes. So we could see, I, I wonder if the refusing of Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman with their past selves is going to stop at New 52 and post-crisis versions, or if we could see Doomsday Clock channel any number of past continuities back into these characters.
0: That's an interesting question. It's true. I don't have an answer. I don't either. <laughs> I mean, we'll find out in November. Yep. Um, don't read Trinity 8 to find out, though. Just Google it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to, you just tell me everything about it yeah. um, I will say Trinity 9 came out this week and Francis Maniple is back on writing and art and it is a beautiful, beautiful book okay. oh,
1: good. I may pick that up then I had kind of decided I was yeah. <laughs> I um, simple Trinity and I was done
0: You may be okay in trade it's not the most strongly written book but it's one of those books where the writing is pretty good and the art is worth the price of admission for me
1: it feels very unnecessary in a world where there's a Justice League comic to have what is essentially yeah. a Justice League, League comic, comic minus Green Lantern and Flash. Yeah. And-
0: well, they're in this one. Oh. oh so it is
1: a Justice yeah. League comic. The so it yeah. is a Justice League comic.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the, the, this next arc is, most of them are off the table, but they are, like, Barry is conscious and in it. Um, it's a story set on the Watchtower. Uh, I guess we're talking about Trinity No. 9 real quick, guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, It's set on the Watchtower. There is a sort of alien plague that has broken out and incapacitated cyborg who has pulled the Trinity onto the tower with them. Um, It actually starts out kind of unpacking some of what happens in Number 8, too, and the arc before it. Um, And you see Flash show up and say, oh, yeah, uh, things went bad. We called everyone in. Oh, they're all infected now. And... Uh, we don't have a solution. Some alien entity shows up and says, oh yeah, we just need to quarantine and kill everybody and destroy all this, or else if it falls into the atmosphere, Mm -hmm. your whole planet's gone. Oh, snap. (laughs) And that's oddly enough what they say. Oh, snap. That's the actual dialogue. (laughs) Yep. Quote Batman. (laughs) All right. Uh, Speaking of Batman, Batman number 23, the the best title for a one-shot in the history of comics, dare I say. The brave and the mold. <laughs> the team up between Batman and Swamp Thing. Yeah.
1: I, oh, I'll let you take this one I first. I haven't oh, read
0: so.
2: it.
1: Oh, okay, well, yeah. I'll take it.
2: First. I, I get sad when Swamp Thing's <laughs> brought up because I, I sort of think about Bernie Wrightson. So,
0: Actually, the the in the, the bottom corner happening. of this page is a, a little of de- uh, the first page Good. is a little dedication for you Bernie.
1: Could. We may be in a in a similar minority on this because the Lynn Wein Bernie Wrightson Swamp Thing is my favorite. Well, I don't, I don't think we're a minority yeah. at all. I know a lot of people prefer the more yeah. Island and the Green and all that stuff, but I, I feel like that—that kind of takes away a lot of what I thought made Swamp Thing interesting. And I and I dug this book because the Swamp Thing that shows up is the Green Swamp Thing, the Moor yeah. Swamp Thing, who know, you know, he always seems to know more than he's letting on, and he's this sort of ephemeral character, and he tells Batman about how, you know, life and death aren't really—they aren't really things; they're more transitions that we go yeah. through. Um,
0: all death leads back to okay. life. Everyone ends up back in... Right.
1: I'll I'll stop where I'm going with that there until we get to spoilers. Yeah. But mm-hmm. the, they did a really interesting um, bit with Swamp Thing in this, I thought.
0: Yeah, there's... The the emotional beat that this issue ends on is spectacular, and I'm sorry, Tony, that we're probably going to spoil it for you. That's okay. Um, and this is Mitch Jarrods on art, who's going to be doing Mr. Miracle with... Yeah. Tom King, later this year, who does uh, Sheriff of Babylon with him.
1: I'm so ridiculously, embarrassingly excited oh, about the I can't new gods coming back with Tom King.
0: That that preview looks spectacular. I love I love Bertha's line. Lo- Have you seen the preview, Tony? No, the, I haven't. Uh, Is it online? Or- yeah, it's like two, three pages. Okay. Orion shows up in Mr. Miracle and, and Varda's apartment and just starts beating Miracle into the ground <laughs> to teach him a lesson.
1: I'm realizing that I haven't seen this preview as much as I thought. I saw saw one page of Miracle coming out of a portal.
0: Yeah, there are, it's two or three pages, um, I need to get a little closer to my mic. It's two or three pages, and Orion starts beating Miracle into the ground and Barda's, you know, Barda asks "What, what are you doing, why are you in here, why are you doing this? I'm teaching him a lesson. And she just laughs, basically, and dismisses him, look, no one teaches a lesson like Granny. Don't embarrass yourself. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> this
1: kid was raised by a, the universe's yes. master yeah. torturer.
0: Yeah, uh, and I'm I'm paraphrasing there, but
1: right. such such good characters. Yeah. Mr. Miracle, Barda, and Orion are all they're they are fantastic. Yeah, they're they're a mythology. Oh yes, Kirby created. You know, I know they're called the New Gods. This seems a little obvious, but he cre- created new gods. They all stand mm-hmm. for tenets and ideals and principles, but not really like anything else that we have.
0: Well, and King has talked about in interviews for Mr. Miracle, uh, part of the reason he jumped on this book was it had never really occurred to him that this was sort of the new God's equivalent of a Messiah figure. Like this is, Mm. this is space Jesus and he is going to play with that idea.
1: Yeah. Oh, no (laughs) doubt. Uh, So, well, I would say, I would say Kirby definitely, yeah. them through that lens. You know, yeah. My Father's name is Isaiah, and oh, yeah. he's got a, a shepherd's crook at the end of his staff <laughs> and all that. Yeah. Um, I will mention, I, I think, and I've talked to you about this before, I think that Tom King's going to be a better fit for new gods than I think he is for Batman. I think he's got a real knack for metanarrative, for for yeah. sort of inhumanly cosmic ideas.
0: Well, and having read, and I think when we talked about this, I asked and you hadn't, having read the his Omega Men, I am very excited for this, because I think he does handle those super high-concept, in-space ideas really, really deftly.
1: His Batman, and I am enjoying it. I don't want, I don't want yeah. to knock his Batman. I'm having a good time. But his Batman is maybe a little more high-concept than Batman ought to be. You know, when you mm-hmm. get into characters, you know, Orion's power is he has the Astro Force. What's that do? Whatever. You know, <laughs> Mr. Miracle's got the Mother Box, and that... Is real good for escaping things, but we're not re- getting specific on it. I think King will do well with that. Batman, he, he's got beats in this book where he he's flipping Solomon Grundy and you know, he knocks out Bane with a headbutt and, and all this all this stuff that from a, from a narrative standpoint I I get he's he's describing story beats as plainly as possible. But with Batman, I think you want to be... I'm going to sound hypocritical here because I talked about getting away from Gritty earlier. <laughs> I think you generally want him to be a little more tactical. You want yeah. him to think you know, his way
0: I mean, through. He's got to be a little more, for one, a want a better be, term, realistic. You right. can be mm-hmm. grounded and realistic without being... Depressing. Depressing and yeah. gritty. In fact, I think it's important exactly. to remember the difference between aesthetically gritty or tonally gritty and realistic. You can be upbeat and realistic.
1: Yes. right. Exactly. All right, Jeff Johns had that quote this week. I, I'm afraid I'm going to mangle it, but he said, um, I believe in the power of optimism. Yeah. Pe- there are people who will tell you that if something's gritty and, and dark, then it's real. And he said, I refuse that.
0: Yeah. And I, yeah. That's I thought good. that was brilliant. Yeah, I am with him on this. Um, let's call spoilers for Batman, though, so we can get into what specifically okay. goes on.
1: I never... How, how far am I allowed to go swearing on this?
0: Uh, you're allowed to swear. Do come a little more into the mic for me. You're getting a little far away. <laughs> um,
1: I never knew how much I wanted a mystical, aloof character to come back and be full of horse shit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but the, that was the brilliant thing that it was Swamp Thing, bringing him back to the fact that somewhere in the middle of all this moss, there is a guy. Yeah. And he comes in and he's talking to uh, he's talking to Batman and he's like... His father has died. His father has been killed. Yeah, Biological father has been murdered, maybe by Kite Man, (laughs) which was an interesting twist. Kite Man, hell Uh, yeah. We're in spoilers, so I can say it's not really Kite Man. It's a dude who stole his kite. Bought at a pawn shop. (laughs) Bought at a pawn shop, (laughs) that's true. So Swamp Thing comes in at first, and Batman's like, your father's died. How are you feeling about that? And Swamp Thing goes into this beautiful prose about how... But well, life and death are all cycles. Every He's gone back to the green to be reborn again. And then, you know, and Batman has this nice sort of
0: warm feeling from
1: the poetry of that. <laughs> and then when Swamp Thing gets to the guy that killed his dad... He bugs out, kills him, just tears him to pieces. <laughs>
0: Tendrils into him, out of eye sockets, just rips him. And Batman's like several new ones. <laughs> <Batman's> <laughs> like, what
1: about all that stuff you told me about life and death just being a cycle, and it doesn't matter? And Swamp Thing goes, he killed my dad. He just, like he has a breakdown, and he runs away from Batman because he like not from f- a physical threat of Batman, but Batman is asking him questions he doesn't yeah. want to answer. And his
0: Swamp Thing is just like decaying there on the page. Batman is begging him for answers and validation on accepting the loss of parents. Yeah,
1: well, I mean, for Batman right now, even this is such a such an issue, because yeah. it's come up a lot in the King stuff how often his supported cast gets murdered.
0: Well, and this issue in particular was originally solicited much earlier. This was supposed to be issue 13. Really? And my suspicion is as it became clear that the button was going to take batman off the table they moved it to this point just so you have that sort of uh uh i i i hate i hate that i'm going to say this word synergy between where batman ends the button and where batman ends in this issue
1: i uh i i think that that's definitely i think that's definitely true it's nice to see and I, I really was not a fan of Grant Morrison's Batman that controlled that controlled who Batman was in comics for so long. This Batman who never he never stumbles, he never makes mistakes, he always has a plan. Even if somebody else gets killed, Batman Batman's ready and you can't lose, and he can't lose and you can't beat him. He's just that good. Yeah. That gets tedious and boring. I I I don't wanna read about a guy who's so good that he's never in danger. Um so even you know even though i'm sure some batman fans will have some problems with this level of vulnerability it it might have been a little bigger than i would have gone even Um, he really comes unraveled
0: well i mean you go from the morrison to snyder who shows him as very fallible right Mm -hmm. king takes it basically a step beyond that
1: yeah but it was it it was nice to see that that it was nice to see the man behind batman for a minute
0: yeah um No, as as one-shots go, this is a a great one-shot. We get this, we have, like I say, one issue to sort of unpack the first year of Batman. um, And then we're into War of Jokes and Riddles. Uh,
1: I'm
0: giddy with excitement. Cannot wait. Oh, what do we want to talk about next? Hey, Tony. Yes, Alex. Talk with me about Eleanor and the Egret. Because when we brought up the first issue on the show, I liked it and everyone else was pretty mad. How do you feel about it? Well, that? they're full of shit. <laughs> if they did not like that book, Jen is going to kick your ass the next episode. That's interview. why I'm. Don't hear her that often. <laughs> you know, she's editing this episode. She will hear this. I don't care. <laughs> i got to make
1: sure I get some Kyle Rainer defense in here before it's done. <laughs> no,
2: uh, now, you've read the second yeah. issue. I've read the second issue. I've only read the first one. I mean, hey, I got the best recommendation from the guy who runs my comic book store. And he summed it up to me. He when I was checking out with it. He goes, this is a really fun book. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. Yeah. It's just a fun caper book. I mean, as Logan said, you get so tired of Grim and Gritty after
0: a point. Yeah. Well, it's nice to read something light. And this is, this is not only light. It's very decompressed. Yes. It's not rushed. It has sort of a relaxed european Mm -hmm. like classically european style of art Mm -hmm. um you actually like i liked one two gives you a whole lot more information on sort of what's going on in this world um you learn and i I don't think this is a spoiler to say i won't spoil anything major um since you haven't read it uh you learn that they're actually targeting one specific artist okay Um, because because if i had a
2: criticism of that issue was it But I figured we would get it later. It's like, I need more background. But I figure that's coming later.
0: Uh, You see kind of this conceit develop through the second issue that pretty much everyone in this world has some sort of animal companion, whether it's important or mentioned directly or not. They're always drawn with... Someone at their side. The detective has his cat. His boss has a dog. (laughs) Um, You see this sort of mystical, like shadow assassin character in number two, who has this like tapeworm on a leash. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: Like maggot from the X Men comics in the
0: nineties. Yeah. Um. I. Liked the first issue. The second issue is what has sold me on keeping me okay. weekly instead of going to trade for this I have, one. I have to pick it up. I mean,
2: I don't know why it was not picked up for me at my comic book store because, uh, well, when I was on the show six months ago. You know, I praised AfterShock as a, yeah as a line, yeah, and they
0: they've only gotten better in my view. Yeah. Um. In fact, let's go ahead and talk about while we're on AfterShock. You read Animosity? This yes, week. I did. I've read the first. Four issues of this, and okay. the the rise number one, so that first okay. of those. Well,
2: this is just continues. I just talking on it briefly because it's basically just continuing the story of the young girl mm-hmm. and her dog, continuing. Sander. Sandor. Yeah, you do find out what happened to the girl's parents in this. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's a flashback. I do. I'm I'm not going to spoil it because I know. Yeah. I know Brian reads it. Uh, the book continues to be consistently excellent. Uh, unfortunately, I appreciate sure write this stuff down. He writes and these things. <laughs> But um, it is, yeah, Marguerite Bennett, Bennett writes it. Unfortunately, I cannot think of the artist's name.
0: I know Juan Doe did the, the Rise yeah, he One He did the, he did the
2: One Shot, yeah.
0: I don't remember the, the regular series artist. But have it it's just second. been consistent work. I mean,
2: it is, I remember Brian, when I was on the show, compared it to Animal Farm. I, there's also bits of Harlan Ellison's Boy and its Dog in it. Hmm. That influence on there, of this post-apocalyptic world. It's also interesting uh, to note of the story, the plotline being animals can think, they can talk now, but can they suppress their basic instincts? Yeah. They're basically, they basically animals. They can talk, they can think, but they are still animals. Yeah. And they have baser instincts than humans. And that is really brought up a lot in this issue.
0: Um, um, they,
2: well, I'm going to give away one part. When, yeah, when like, a vulture attacks the young girl, and the dog puts a <laughs> thing, it needs to feed, and the dog puts a hand grenade into the vulture's <laughs> mouth. And says you need to feed eat this and blows it to shit that yeah. <laughs> right there sums that issue up. Right. Uh,
0: the artist on the main series is Raphael Delacour. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I, w- I, probably, I would have ruined that name if I tried to pronounce it. Yeah.
2: So, so it's just another book that I read all the time. I can't recommend enough to anybody. Right. Pick
0: up the first trade. I think the first trade is out. First trade's it out. Yeah. First trade is out. I've got it. I've read it. Um, it's a real, real good read. Yes, it is. Um are you reading her other uh uh Insects? Insects? I've not read I want to pick up the trays, I've never read it. I've I've read the first one. I like it a lot. It is weird and different. It reminds me of uh like an R rated version of Jenny and Vastra from Doctor Who. Oh my god. Well I'm sure I'm sure there's some fanfic out there that is already. Well <laughs> but yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> um <laughs> If the two of them also were, like, were-mantises or whatever. Like, freakish bug creatures who just killed anyone who messed with them, solving mysteries. Okay, you've sold me. I'm going to pick up that trade later today. (laughs) Um, It is a weird but fun read. I like it a lot. There's another trade coming out soon, and I I, I can't wait for that. Alright, so Super Sons came out this week. You read that, right, Logan? I did read that. So what do you think of this book? I love this
1: book. I love this book. John Kent is one of the best additions to the DC universe. And he, I never liked Damien. I'll, I'll be honest. I, I'm a big Tim Drake fan. When he was added into the, to the canon, I, I wasn't a huge fan. I thought, thought he was obnoxious. And he, he constantly goes unchecked. He's got this, this Namor personality, but nobody ever calls him on it. John Kent makes Damien Wayne a better character. Because when John Kent and Damian Wayne are together, you start to see that as competent as he is, Damian has flaws at being a kid. He's not good at being—he's yeah. not good at dealing with how young he really is and how immature he really is. And John, who is very immature, brings that out of him in a big way. And their banter—it it just makes them both better.
0: Out of curiosity, have you been reading the Teen Titans? I have Rebirth? not, though okay.
1: I I understand that John is joint, is going to be guest starring soon. I will at least be picking up that cool. issue and however many they do from there.
0: I would be curious to know if you feel like the the that same sort of dynamic where you see him be more fallible and right. more of a kid, uh if you get that from the Teen Titans book. I'm I'm sure too. that I will. The other
1: book that I really enjoyed Damien in prior to this was when Dick was Batman. Yeah. And he was and he was Robin. That Damien became a much better character in that run because Nightwing wasn't his father. He was more of his brother. And your brother can do things to you that you don't want to see your dad get away with. You know, we don't, we don't, no matter how bad Damien acts, whether even if he kills somebody, nobody wants to see. And he did that. (laughs) Nobody wants to see that scene that everybody has seen at O'Charlie's where a dad grabs his kid by the arm and drags him to the bathroom to spank him.
0: (laughs) Right. To be fair, Tomasi, who writes this, wrote that, and I did really like it when he did it. Yeah. But (laughs) I I get what you're saying. Right. (laughs)
1: Um, I, I think that he's he's better when he has somebody to sound off of that calls him on his yeah. his stuff. It, it makes him a better character. And John, um, and John, is fascinating because John is just absolutely the the most relatable kid I've ever seen in a comic. Mm-hmm. He he's he makes Superman better too because you're getting to see Superman through the eyes of his son, and maybe even through the burden that's on his son to To live up to being yeah. Superman's kid, uh, but of these three sidekicks that are in this book, Kid Amazo,
0: <laughs> I think Kid Amazo is a better character than Amazo is. You know, I'll actually, I'll actually back you on that one. Yeah. I really liked him in this. If If the Legolas-looking
1: version of Amazo disappeared in, <laughs> and Kid Amazo took his spot, I don't think comics would be worse off.
0: As a uh, side note, you mentioned Damien and Nightwing together. I will. Um, make that long list of books to read a little longer. The Bloodhaven stuff from the current Nightwing book Is it good? It's real good Uh, There are two arcs so far The second one brings Damien into the mix Fantastic. Um, And it makes some very specific references to their time together and they sort of actually spend a little time at the end unpacking uh, uh, their relationship with each other after that be- it kicks off with Damien showing up basically and demanding that Dick promise never to try to be Batman because Batman is his birthright.
1: <laughs> being, being honest, my biggest problem with Damien Wayne is sour grapes. I'm a huge Tim Drake fan, mm. and I honestly believe, looking at everybody in Batman's supporting cast, there's only one Batman sidekick who, if Batman got shot in the head tomorrow, could be Batman could do all the things that Batman does and that's Mm. Tim Drake he's the detective he's the leader he's the calm Mm. head I
0: mean I think that's absolutely true like he would be the best at being Batman
1: I feel so dumb when Detective Comics was coming out and Tim Drake was going to be in it I jumped on because I'm a huge Tim Drake fan like Mm -hmm. I said and I got to the page where he died you can't see my air quotes let the the record reflect that there are air Air quotes quotes?
0: (laughs) (laughs) to be fair I think we've made it longer this week without doing a visual cue than we normally do (laughs) (laughs)
1: So I made it to the part where he died, and I, I got so mad. I, I, I'm always super careful with comics. I threw this book into the floor <laughs> of my room, and I, I left it there. And it had to be it had to be a month later, maybe even two months. Somebody mentioned that Mister Oz had Tim Drake, and I was like. <laughs> <laughs> he got better. It's a literally. <laughs> that li- end... was a lot. was a lot in comics. He was dead. He got better. Yeah. Okay. It's at the end of the comic that I got mad and quit reading. But yeah. I was just so used... after the New Fifty Two, I was so used to at that point Tim being stuffed off to the side to yeah. make room for Damien and Jason Todd and and Dick that I didn't that I didn't I didn't see I didn't think there was anything implausible about them just murdering him.
0: Well, I mean, and that's. Kind of the beat they wanted you to have. If you didn't turn the page, yeah, yeah. You know. um, as a side note, have you read the Batman Beyond, where Tim is? Batman? I've I've heard about it. I'm okay. I'm looking forward to reading it. It no. starts shaky because it's coming out of a very shaky event, but by the end of it, it's a really good read.
1: Hey, you just can't get well. You, you can't get a better origin for a character like Robin than this kid did the legwork. And became the first person in the DC universe to detective out who Batman yeah. is. There's no, there's no way to top that.
0: Yeah. Any more super sons? Uh, are you read, I, are you? I, I forget. To, are you reading this and just didn't get? to No, know, I read it? I'm not oh. reading it. No. Are we? Are we doing spoilers? Um, if you want to spoil something in it, okay. sure. So Lex Luther comes back in this
1: one. Oh, yeah. Um, I didn't want to reveal that because that's how they get out of a, yeah. the yeah Kid Amazo trap. I love Lex Luthor having to remind people that he's supposed to be Superman right now.
0: Can, okay, can, <laughs> I want to spend a minute on this, but I love this idea of Lex as Superman, yeah. and it—Lex from Forever Evil on right now—I have loved his whole status quo and his stul, his whole stick of no one will buy, and he tries really, really hard to prove himself, but no one will buy him as Superman. The. Yeah, and to the point where I think at some point this is going to become he is, and eventually okay, it's going to unravel and become undone. But it, it's comics, but it's at that point where like he's trying so hard to prove it that he's he's kind of doing the job pretty well. Yeah, I I really hope
1: that and this is looking more and more implausible as they explain more of rebirth. Yeah, but I have been hoping that they would bring back the post crisis Lex for all your like, Lex Luthor supervillain mm. needs and leave this Lex around. Because yeah. if you look through the New
0: 52, he
1: really hasn't done anything that irredeemable.
0: I mean, he did kill Ted Kord's dad. He killed Ted Kord's dad? I missed that. Shoved him mm-hmm. out of a helicopter. That's pretty irredeemable. <laughs> That's pretty rough.
1: But maybe he cheats at cards or something.
2: <laughs> but cheats on his taxes. But that I, hey, I I still don't release his tax returns. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. I still don't
1: know if that holds up to post-Crisis Lex giving a hundred thousand people superpowers hmm. and they all have flight. And then he turns it off during the middle of a parade. <laughs> so they all fall to their death.
0: Well, no, no, that is, that is That's, maybe a thousandth of the death by falling. Right. <laughs> Which is,
1: Lex Luthor, he really has a thing about knocking people out of the air. Yeah. I'm realizing. He really does.
0: Um,
1: I, I also want to mention oh. while we're on this, uh, two things. One, I hope Sarah appears again. Yeah. Reggie's sister I think this is a great origin for a superhero Yeah. I was part of a superhero family and my brother went full kid miracle man and <laughs> ruined it <laughs> you know um, and number two and I'm taking this from my girlfriend Amy um, I want a Alfred and Lois team up book that is about trying to be parents because yes. that was one of the best parts of this comic was when they come back through the window and Alfred and Lois are standing there I was like this is the comic I never knew I needed
0: yeah <laughs> Yeah, I, I I would read that comic. I would read the hell out of that comic. Uh, how about Superman? Superman,
1: uh, let me say that I I love this run of Superman so much. The Tomasi Gleason book has been absolutely stellar from mm-hmm. jump. Um, it's,
0: or in this case, Tomasi Minky. Oh,
1: yeah. yeah. It, uh, <laughs> I, I've said lots of times at my comic shop, I feel like it's the first time that Superman's story has moved since he came back from the dead. My whole lifetime has felt like a lot of Superman staying in place, and this is a progression of the character. He's a father now. His his arc is moving, and I love that. Now, I, I said all that to say that if I... I wanted to make sure everybody knew how much I love this comic and how much I recommend this comic. This book made me a little nervous. Um, there's some pretty... I, one of the things I've loved about this book is I'm a big fan of maybe not... Kitty stories, but there needs to be some comics that are kid friendly. Yeah, that that a kid can read, that anybody can pick up, like a Marvel movie, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and this book, for the first time in its run, veered into. I do not know if I would hand this to any kid. Um, now um, they'll see where they're going with this. You know, some it's Superman, so there's some things that may seem like they have a lot of consequences that don't because mm-hmm. of Superman, but um, but it made me it made me a little anxious. I
0: think. It for me there are two things at play here. One is this feels very much like a third or fourth issue in in an arc where not a lot happens. This is a much darker arc, and that's part of why I mentioned Mankey. Like, Mankey's art in this is super dark and atmospheric and tense, and I really like it for kind of paying off the weird magical thing that's been going on. Absolutely. And Um, and let
1: me say, I think this is a great Comic. Yeah, I'm not knocking it for quality. I'm just saying I wish that they had kept it. Uh, you know, there's a couple of beats that get really grisly in this. Yeah, and I wish they had kept it kind of above that line. Just yeah, so.
0: I, I know one of the ones you're talking about. There is that. Yeah. There is one beat uh, that feels. I feel
1: like it's another one we can't really get into without getting into spoilers.
0: And that's I don't think we need to bother spoiling this one. There is a beat in this to me that felt kind of. Gratuitous granted it was gratuitous in a way that was I think meant to be gratuitous in the book itself. Yeah. But it felt unnecessary. It felt a little fridgy.
1: Let's not forget also, and this is what I keep reminding myself, there is this is hard not to to say without giving it away. The there's a big there's a big reveal in this book. That I I would say is in some ways the biggest reveal since Rebirth in Superman's yeah. canon. Yeah,
0: that's probably uh, very true. Um, but I don't know. We can say it this way: it is a non-Kryptonian threat that is interesting. Yeah, and on mm-hmm. Superman's
1: power level, God bless him. Yeah. Um. It, I,
0: I can't. <laughs> I keep. What what, I what's this. the name of this arc again? Uh.
1: Yeah. Well. So you you think people?
0: Uh, I mean, say the name of the arc. That will be Black our Dawn. hint. Right. Yeah. The um, arc's called Black Dawn. And a character shows up. Okay. <laughs> I, yeah.
1: Uh, I, I wanted to mention, though, that that character sometimes does things that appear to be, that, but they aren't real. Yeah. Um, and there's another... I'm going to assume that most people listening aren't this deep on Nerd Cuts for Superman. There's another arc called The Ending Battle that also has this character in it that is a very similar... Use of him minus John. Mm. Right? So he's mostly just dealing with what he's doing in this story to Superman and Lois. Yeah. Um, And in that story, there is also a moment where you think that Lois Lane suffers a a great tragedy. Yeah. Right? And it is not
0: true. And this brings me to my second of my two things about this issue Uh, and we'll see where it goes this is another one of those the the, the ongoing execution justifies what happens here I read this as being as setting up something that is much more about Damien going through that sort of necessary childhood step which maybe he's a little young for this beat but I'll allow it of having to doubt his father's beliefs and his father's ways and to start to call into question the sort of aspirational nature of Superman versus some of the practical challenges of fighting giant space monsters and things like that.
1: I I think it's I think that how young he is accentuates how good of a beat it is because by the time you're a teenager a lot of your personality is set in. You're going to spend a decade beating out the wrinkles but but as far as your beliefs and the way you behave, you, you get a lot of that as a teenager. John being 10 is the last age where he's impressionable, where where a grown-up can say something, and just because they're a grown-up, he's inclined to take it at face value. And I think that that adds something to this story. It, it adds something to the evil of the villain here, um, that, he, that he is that young, um, I, that I think is a really
0: that's a good point. Speaking of uh, fathers of questionable belief structures, Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> but he's not in the I- issue. He's, he's not in the issue, but it's a good enough segue to Star it's Wars. A good segue, sort of a clumsy one, but okay. <laughs> Look, take what you can get. This <laughs> is this is a. This is a segue. Are you talking Star? Are you talking the new Star yeah, Wars? Yeah, the app, new Star or, Wars
2: book, or just the one that leads from? Because we really have to talk the Screaming Citadel yeah, first. Yeah, I mean.
0: This is part of an arc, so we part can, of an
2: arc. Yeah, this starts from the Screaming Citadel, which is Doctor Afra meets Luke. Again. Doesn't doesn't capture him this time. No, she she uh, she cons him more than yeah, he pretty much. <laughs> to go to the city, I'm not going to begin to pronounce <laughs> the planet. works for me. He <laughs> also knows the Screaming Citadel for the yes. one time a year to meet the Queen
0: because the literal translation loses the music exactly. <laughs> and, I
2: love BT and Triple Zero. Yes, and as they present oddities or um, I guess oddities is probably the best way to describe yeah. it to the in, queen. I think
0: in, th- in this issue Afra mentions that the queen has interest in creatures with what she calls deformations deformations,
2: yeah, mm-hmm. abilities if she likes the ability you get to go and meet her during the meeting in the Screaming Citadel it's, everybody's presenting everything Luke is presented. He is a Jedi. He has force power. She's like next. They go to move Luke. He freaks out. His force powers kick in, and he pushes someone away. And she's like, "Oh, you're coming in. Party's yeah. over. Party's Everyone over. else got out. You come in." Yeah. And that leads into the new issue, which is, it's okay. It's just, it's the problem I have with a lot of story arcs is there's padding. Yeah. And this issue had a considerable amount of padding. I mean, do I really? I mean, I know the breakfast scene is necessary, it's yeah. neat. But it's like, I'm getting this, plus I'm getting Han, and that's all talk, and we need to go rescue Luke for the umpteenth time. <laughs> I would love to have seen that. He's like, yeah. we
0: gotta rescue Luke again. <laughs> hey, to be fair, Han should be glad he rescued Luke all of those times, because that pays off later in Star later. Wars canon for Han.
1: Yes. That's, you kind of getting into what chased me away from the Star Wars books, though. True. I'm, but,
0: well, I'm sorry, go ahead. I, I really
1: love them when they started. But as I got a couple story arcs in, I realized we were settling into the same cycle the Dark Horse books suffered from, which is that we have to start these characters and end them exactly where they began because yeah. we can't move can't them, move them past Empire. But that's well.
0: why I like the Afra books so much yeah. because Afro is, is a clean think. slate. Yep, right.
2: And I think that's why she's become – because she yep. I don't, don't really think she was designed, really. I could be wrong to be a spinoff character.
0: No, I'm Uh, sure she wasn't. And it was
2: sort of like people, and and BT and... uh,
0: Triple Zero. Triple Zero.
2: Both were like, wow, these are new characters. We can do neat things with them because there's no continuity. There's no backstory. So spin them off to your own book. Um, I will say now, one of the good things about Star Wars now being published by Marvel and it all being owned by the evil (laughs) entity that is Disney (laughs) is that we are getting some really good art. Yeah. I mean, because... When Dark Horse had it, there was a licensing fee that had to be paid. I'm not, you know, putting down any artist to work on, yeah. but you know, you not get John Cassidy to draw. I no, mean, he's going to command a, a higher page rate, yeah. so he draws like the first five years and, uh Well, uh, our, our fellow's here, his brother Mark Brooks, drew,
0: yeah, on uh, the Han Solo
2: miniseries. There's an Alex
0: Maleev, yes, Lando Calrissian
2: miniseries. Exactly. So that's been the great part of it. But uh, I do have to agree with Logan a bit. It's like, and uh, it's not a bad issue. Yeah. not by any stretch of the imagination, but it's it's kind of filler.
0: Yeah it it feels a little like maybe this is Kieran McGill uh, Kieran Gillen's Anthony plot. Gillins, yeah. I tried to combine his name and and Jamie McKelvey's because yeah. they're basically one person at this point. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like it is Gillen's plot mm-hmm. and. Jason Aaron, who writes this issue, is kind of along for the ride. Exactly. He's like, well, I've got to write this because it's got to tie into the miniseries. Now, I have one very important question about this issue. There is a character who knocks on the Queen's door and gets turned away who is from the Vandalay system. That's true. Now, is that system known for its import-exports of say fine rubber goods oh, yes. or I think
2: they're more into they're getting more into the importing and less into the exporting. Okay. <laughs> so, or maybe more into the exporting and into importing. I'm not sure. <laughs> All right, it is one letter off of art vandalay. It's true. <laughs> it and and you know, you know, somebody had fun
1: with that. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I follow MMA so my brain went to this is a system full of roided out brazilian
0: guys. <laughs> <laughs> so like I said, it not, could be we only see one person. It's not a bad <laughs> issue but again it's it's yeah. kind of fillerish. Yeah. Uh, Let's go from Star Wars to Star Trek. Yes. Now, I know very little about this book, Star Wars Dark Mirror, except there was a free comic book day issue with a completely jacked Captain Picard. You're right. So tell me about Muscle Picard. Muscle Picard, well, uh, I'm just, well, let me give a bit of backstory for me
2: personally. Because I had no concept of alternate reality stories. And the very, very, very first one I ever saw was the Star Trek episode mirror mirror i was a kid and that blew me away i'm like holy crap it's that's all spock drink has got a of out of beer this is the coolest thing so i've always loved the mirror universe i've not seen all the episodes of deep space nine that they did with it <laughs> I, I mean i just didn't watch deep space nine a lot because again backstory here when uh channel 46 had it became a cbs affiliate got moved to like one in the morning <laughs> so it's uh, no way I'm going to step to one yeah. in the morning. This was pre-Tivo. <laughs> so, uh, I think it's on Netflix pre-Divo. now, maybe. It was coming Blue. on Heroes and Legends, but that's another oh. story. And so I've always been interested in this issue, so I are in this plot line. Thankfully, I was at a convention um, when Free Comic Book Day went on. I'm going to give a quick plug to my comic book store here. And I, they said, well, can we pull anything for you if we have anything left over? They did pull in the
0: free comic book for me. So it's Dr. Knows Comics Games in Marietta. We've mentioned them before. We've mentioned Fantasy Factory before, too. While I was still living in Dalton, they pulled all my Marvel books. Cool. So I did did get to read the issue with Barclay and
2: uh, taking, (laughs) through assassination, taking Tasha's place. So I was in the right place for it. I read the first issue. Um, It's a really good story. Uh, It's... The first issue brings you all up on continuity, which I find really interesting because it has never been the strong point for Star Trek. <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying that to be mean. It's just simple fact. That it's like yeah. they wrote this, these things, 50 years ago, and they really think this was going to be on 50 going on. No, no I mean, way. I mean, they didn't worry about continuity. I mean, if Lucille Ball had not existed, it probably wouldn't have been yeah, around a year I, or two. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it begins, is the story not a Picard, not on the Enterprise. He's on the Stargazer. He wants to get the Enterprise it is also interesting to note that they do tie in the continuity from uh, Deep Space Nine that the Empire pretty much has fallen. Hmm. And the Cardassians... Uh, Kardashians? Whoa! Card- <laughs> <laughs> it could happen, folks! <laughs> the Cardassians and Klingons have an alliance and uh, pretty much taken over the universe. Someday.
0: Someday someone <laughs> will find a way to get, to get a Kardashian to play a Kardashian.
2: It's going to happen. Just to make it they've happen. The gun new series. <laughs> it could happen. <laughs> and so the story is Picard deciding he wants to move up in rank he's going to bring his people with him and at the end he meets with uh, the first issue he meets with Geordi who is working at Starfleet to show him the new ship they're working on which is the Enterprise which has a cloaking net around and that's where it ends that's neat um, th- there's just several neat things in it if you've spread the first issue you know that Data is constantly upgrading himself so he's like Taking off different arms and putting on Borg arms because <laughs> he's trying to figure out humanity by upgrading. And I love that Troy, who was a character I, I met uh, Marine Service in real life, she's a very nice lady. I hated the character of Troy. I just, I don't know, hated that character for eight years or whatever that, or that okay. she was on. They make her character so much better in this comic. I mean, she's not the counselor, she's the inquisitor.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Me and my dad always joked that Donna Troy. Had the power to feel where the plot one of the them plot go. was going, yeah, so that was, that <laughs> or notice things like they've left. Yeah. Yeah. She's um, not really <laughs> psychic. She just she's the only person who can hear the writer go.
0: fly. Yes. <laughs> now hold on. I don't know Star Trek, but you did just say Donna Troy. It's Deanna. Uh, Deanna Diana I'm <laughs> okay. sorry. I was about to ask is Donna D-Donna Troy. Donna <laughs> Troy is yeah, you you almost <laughs> I, I, that I, mean, I, I apologize, I missed that. Uh, you I may have lost some
1: nerd cred there, Logan. <laughs> on. But um
2: and just and I always like the technical things, uh, the Tipton brothers, right, have written a lot of stuff for IDW, a lot of the Star Trek stuff they're very good. J. K. Woodward's art, photo realistic art. Always from him, I'm assuming it's from him. Fully painted art. Um, like I said, I read the first issue. I cannot wait to read the rest of it. Awesome! And I am not the biggest Next Generation fan um, in the world, you know, but this one I really wanted to read, and so I'm glad. Thanks to my comic book store for pulling it for me, because <laughs> I really appreciate it. Um, man, I just IDW what they've done with Star Trek since they got the license, which everybody thought they were stupid to do
3: <laughs> back in the,
2: <laughs> back in the early, you know, 2007. we are like, nobody wants that. They show great smarts in yeah. getting that license and what they've done with it. Yeah, it's very good.
1: Muscle Picard cool. intrigues
2: me. And Muscle, muscle Picard with a uh, goatee. Mr. Clean in a star trek Yeah, Mr. Clean. Mr. Clean does have a goatee. I think he does have an earring though. In the comic, yeah, I mean, he does. Yeah, they're very pirates. So.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um. And I definitely won't tell Chase to give you hell for getting Donna Troy, Deanna oh, Troy. She, I'm sure you'll hear.
1: Me and, uh, that's me and Chase's nerd link as we spend a lot of time talking about Star Trek.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I am, um, I think I've seen three episodes of the original series and I've seen two of the J.J. Abrams movies. Well, it's interesting because I was born the year it came on the air. So yeah.
2: It's never existed. Not existed for me. Yeah, it's always been around. So. Yeah. I, I think that Chase
1: Parker is probably one of those Riemann-Picard clones. But he ended up here in our world instead mm-hmm. of fighting them like, like Shinzon did. Yeah. Which Chase will especially hate because he hates Star Trek Nemesis, so. <laughs> oh, okay. I had, to, I had to slide that in. All
0: right. All right. Well, let us uh, cause a case of whiplash now and go from Star Wars to Star Trek, back to Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Tell me about Poe Dameron, Tony. I read like the first arc of this and dropped it, so did it get better? Or did you like the like? I liked the first arc okay. The first, the first I do like like okay. was treading water. It's, it's, it does treading water,
2: and it does a lot in this issue.
0: Uh, I
2: think it has the same problem that Logan brought up earlier. You know, we're between movies. He can't, you know, do anything different with Lo- with Poe except that he's the leader of Black Squadron. Uh, I mean, the whole issue, pretty much deals with. I mean, it's in the middle of an arc. Yeah, uh, they go to get a fuel from these people. The resistance getting fuel from, and they discover it's a trap. It's a trap! It's a trap! <laughs> um, it's an interesting conceit that they sort of rip off speed.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, they totally rip off speed, actually, the movie Speed, because they land on the freighter. You've sold me on this arc. Okay, well, <laughs> they land on the freighter, and it has a bomb on it. You know, if the accelerates, the bomb will go off. But they also discover that the freighter is empty, because the First Order has gone there and taken all the fuel. Hmm. So that's... Uh, the interesting... This is not... Now, one thing that's kept me reading the book was Phil Noto's art. Yeah, that's true. He's not drawn the last couple of issues. I guess he just needs a break from it.
0: Well, he did the that Avengers issue last okay. week. Okay. All right. I'm so that may be... Um,
2: so it's a different guy. It's not bad art, but it's totally, it's different look from it. So that's kind of put me off. Mm-hmm. There's a terrible editorial moment in this comic, in this new issue, that somebody should have caught, where BB uh, 8 you know, they're in the panel... And he does a little beep boop whatever. And Poe looks at him and says, I heard you, 3PO.
0: And I re- I literally read that panel like three times thinking, am I reading this now, right now? Maybe, maybe, maybe what he said was, I have a bad feeling about this. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not buying that. I mean, 3PO's not even in on the page. <laughs> no,
2: but... And I, the things like that, it's like there, the continuity errors in movies and there shouldn't be, there aren't comics occasionally. And i yeah. like, people get
0: paid to notice these things. The, act, yeah. the, the editor just not notice them. Hey, if my droid were telling me I have a bad feeling about this, I'd call it 3PO2. Yeah, I'm in, sorry. A, in a world where
1: some poor editor, though, let the RDNC off stuff get by him. Pretty sure this guy's gonna fly safely.
2: Up to oh, I road. mean, I, I, nobody, I don't think, I mean, I'm sure some anal routine of twit went on the internet. <laughs> hey, Hi, <something> Tony. That, <laughs> I'm not on the internet tonight, but anyway, but immediately I read it yesterday. Ha ha. <laughs> but it was just something I kind of made me go, What? Yeah, um, again, as with the other one, it's okay. I mean, cool. Yeah, right. How about Archie? Archie. Well, I'm liking Archie. Otherwise. I'm loving the Mark Waid Archie. The Mark Waid Archie is really good. Um, I got into it sideways through Afterlife, which is a good book that doesn't yeah. come out nearly enough.
3: Well,
2: yeah. Or <laughs> Sabrina, but they pulled it for me. I'm love, I love the fact that Archie is not Mr. Perfect Teenager. He screws up, he screws up every issue. Yeah. Uh, the newest issue deals with, well, as he begins, because he narrates every issue, saying there's one person in the world he really hates gets under his skin. It's Reggie Mantle and they're working on a car. Betty is working the car for him. It's his grandfather's, I believe. It's a a Mustang Cobra, 65. Reggie shows up, charges into a drag race. They get the car running, he jumps in it, uh, pisses Betty off, takes off. They have the drag race, and this is where it's gonna get very interesting. Betty finds out about it, drives her car, into the drag race as the two cars are coming, and the Issue ends on a literal cliffhanger that somebody went off the road. And I heard about this that, arc. That, that, that's that, going that, to lead to a, a three-story arc that is going to. Can I do air quotes now? <laughs> yeah. Change Archie's
0: life forever. Let the record reflect. Mm-hmm. Now, I mm-hmm. heard about now. I, this is this is a book I'm reading in trade. I read yeah the first arc as it came out, but all the I decided I'm going to do all the Archie stuff in trade because yeah. I'm liking all of it. So mm-hmm. they have said someone's going to die. Yeah. And that's. And that's, that's and unchanged. that's that's three major
2: characters yeah. right there for, for decades. I mean, they. Yeah. Don't, I mean, they don't really stick to a continuity with Archie because there'll be other comics that don't Yeah, have whoever dies in them. But that's interesting. Um, like you said, I'm really loving what Mark White has done. Mm-hmm. I love the art. It's so Pete Woods did this one.
0: Yeah, I think he's the new series. He's the regular. new series regular because they yeah. had they didn't have um,
2: the latest Drink Saga. Yeah, they had one. Fiona Staples. Staples. They mm-hmm. had Veronica Fish yes. for a
0: while. That's someone else in there, yeah. too. Um, I hate that I'm blanking on her name.
2: Yeah. Um, I can't either. It is yeah. You're right, Pete is doing it. He's doing a really good job with it. Yeah. Um, I can't say I've read all the new Archie stuff, but... I have tried all of it. I've tried all of it, yeah. I mean, I did. I mean, i mean, have the whopping two issues Adam Hughes got out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's got one more coming. There's a preview out for it now. Oh, really? Okay, I didn't yep. know that. And that gets traded, I think, in July, it's solicited oh, and okay. trade. The... The, the Josie and the Pussycats trade comes out next week, yeah. and that, I read the first issue of it. It is hilarious. Oh, Brian, yeah. every month, just raves about it. I yeah. cannot wait for that trade. Yeah, that's a fun book. And
2: you yeah, it's, a, it's a interesting, because Archie's well, been doing some progressive yeah. stuff for several years. Or Do you guys
0: watch Riverdale?
2: I've seen, um, I haven't seen all of them. I've seen okay. I did see the finale. I love this show way more than I feel like I should. Oh yeah, I mean, it's, well, I've I don't d- say that to me. Well, I described that when it premiered. This is how you may have saw it up on my Facebook page. Of uh, if you took Twin Peaks, crossed it with Nine Hundred Two One Zero, yeah, put in a law of Dawson's Creek, and cast it with characters from Archie
0: Comics, you have Riverdale. That yeah. is that show. That uh, moment in the last episode where where Archie's punching, punching the eyes and the. And the KJ Apa actually broke his hand doing wow. that. In the scenes after that, when he's in the cast, that's his actual oh, wow. ass. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I haven't seen uh, all the episodes, but I have seen some. Of so
3: and it's, this it's, show it's is
2: just, it is buck wild. It is. I mean, I mean, well, I mean, let, I'm, let's face it. You haven't the last episode. Archie and Veronica have sex. Yeah. You don't see it, but it's obviously they
0: sleep together, and it's like. And I'm Holy okay cow. with that. Uh, I really hope season two isn't like a weird Veronica Lodge pregnancy arc. Oh, God, I hope not. I don't want that, I'm because always, that's I was the least
2: interesting option. Well, I was always a Betty man myself, so...
0: <laughs> Riverdale's the first time I've
2: been Team Veronica. Yeah. Uh, they have made her And that's also one thing that needs to be brought up for the, the comic. I mean, Veronica is a lot more likable Yeah, in the way
0: Wade writes around. Not definitely. to the degree Riverdale, Riverdale is. In Riverdale, yeah, she's like the competent person yes. in the group. Yeah, um, but, but yeah, I think I think Wade's Archie is super balanced. Yes, in that way, truly. and it's it's a fun read. And again, it's, I mean, I don't want to keep harping that you know there's stuff that's just fun to read, and, yeah. but sometimes it's just fun to read. And yeah, yeah and there's nothing yeah. wrong with it. I I am in a a place right now where the fun books are the ones I'm loving. We're gonna talk, I think, for a couple moments on Champions in a minute, yeah. but. Unstoppable Wasp, I know, I've I've beaten Logan over the yeah. head with this. Have you read Unstoppable Wasp? I read the first issue. I haven't
2: read
3: the others.
0: I love that book. It is maybe my favorite book right now. Yeah.
1: Champions 1 made it look like she might be joining the hmm. champions. I. She's teased I right at the end. Teased. teased. Yeah, yeah she
0: and, and Riri are both teased at the end. They've kind of come to that moment in Invincible Iron Man, where it's on the table for her. I haven't seen it on the table yet for uh... For Nadia, although she is with them in Secret Empire,
1: oh,
0: neat. yeah. Anyway, just wrap it up. If you're not reading yeah. Archie, read it. <laughs> All right. Last new thing: Bionic Woman meets Wonder Woman 77.
2: Again, I mean, I'm, I'm just some broken record. I mean, it's it's fun. It's lightweight yeah. I mean, uh, again, yeah. you know, just re- if you grew up in the 70s and you wondered what happened, to Bionic Woman met Wonder Woman. This is it. Yeah. The whole issue takes place on Paradise Island. <laughs> My only real concern, criticism of it, is there is a literal moment, I don't know why they did this, in the third issue of this miniseries, where they stop and tell each other their origins.
3: <laughs>
2: then, she literally stops, Jamie stops for like a, a page and goes, well, I knew this guy named Steve, and he's and I had this... Well, wreck, on I'm, the off uh-huh,
0: chance well, that someone bought this for a reason other than nostalgia, they James. might not know. Yeah, <laughs> and
2: I can't think of that, and then she stops Go, well, I knew a guy named Steve, too, he landed on the other <laughs> And I'm like... Steve, why did you say that name? Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, but we'll give uh, Andy Mangles, who writes it, i got to give him credit, because this guy knows a lot of trivia that like, he can bring in hmm. characters from. And it puts a little, I mean, if you remember the good old days of asterisks with notes. Yeah. Know, puts a, from Wonder Woman episode, whatever. <laughs> and he brings his character back, and he brings the Fembots back, and he, he has finbots are teaming up with characters from the Wonder Woman TV series and they're going to <laughs> Nazis are going to invade Paradise Island I'm reading this thinking this is just so silly
0: this sounds amazing it's just so
1: silly I, it, it, I
0: can't help but like it
1: yeah. it kind of reminds <laughs> me I read Batman 66 meets yes. The Man from U.N.C.L.E. yeah I read that I, too I picked that up at just because I'd just seen the movie The Man from U.N.C.L.E. Mm-hmm. you know they're um, doing which nothing. Batman
0: mm-hmm. 66 meets the Legion of mm-hmm. Superheroes soon right oh gosh Mike art. they also, like they also, they also, did, they also okay,
2: did one no where, where he met the uh the characters from the Avengers. Yeah, uh, Steve I've really field. enjoyed those actually. Uh,
1: uh, yeah. Well, I I picked up that that's what I was saying. I picked up that Batman meets mm-hmm. the Man from Uncle, and I was blown away by how much fun it
2: was. Yeah, it's just a lot of fun, and again, some things are just fun to read. And yeah. They make a good. I mean, they're, they're what I call lunchtime reads. You know, if I'm yeah. sitting at lunch, I'm just I take the book out and I read it. And, you know, about ten minutes later, it's like, okay, that was fun. I'll read it next month. Yeah. And again, I'll back Logan up. I mean, if anybody's because I think they're on trade now, and I'm not the biggest batman tv show fan in the world but the ones where he meets like the man from uncle or the adventures and he, they've done one where he's met wonder woman 77 yeah. those
0: are really fun yeah. stories i re- I haven't read all of i read a lot of that batman 66 digital first and i really liked that yeah, book there's a lot
2: of yeah. fun. and it's interesting because they don't have to worry about you know it's like hey we can do batman as tv series but let's bring in ross Gould.
3: yeah
1: yeah
2: yeah, have you been on the TV series like, or oh, something? When convenient. I
1: saw their design of Bane, yeah. I, I don't know if this is what they were going for, but I hope that it was. <laughs> I laughed so hard <laughs> when I saw Bane in Batman Sixty Six. Speaking
0: of Bane, did you guys hear the 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 yes. casting news? Uh, yes. yes, Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy is who Bane. Who got on high on Venom as Bane <laughs> gets to get high on Venom, Venom as, Venom. as Venom. Venom. Yeah, there's. I
1: don't. I mean, maybe I'm a pessimist. I only see two ways this movie goes. You've either got a world-class... Wait,
0: they either live long enough or die to oh, die God. the hero or live long enough
1: to be the villain? You've got a world-class actor like Tom Hardy. So you're either going to put this actor in for about ten minutes of a movie that's about a giant CGI booger monster. <laughs> or you're going to put Tom Hardy in 90% of the movie because he's Tom Hardy, and you're only going to have ten minutes of the giant CGI booger monster that people yeah. came to see.
2: I think it's going to be the latter. <laughs> Yeah. Unless, I mean, I, I have not read the script. I'm
0: not trying to. Yeah.
2: It, but that's just my take on it.
0: Unless Spider-Man is in the background running around as Giant Booger Monster before Eddie Brock gets it.
1: I, I had heard it wasn't going to be connected to Spider-Man at all.
0: No, good. I mean, I don't I, I'm just disappointed on not Topher Grace,
2: and that's all i got to say. <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh, he was the ultimate Venom Knight.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I can't even say that was straight face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay was
1: trying to decide what the most polite way was to disagree. That's <laughs> at, hang on, Tony's not on Twitter, he's safe. <laughs> that uh, was sarcasm, <laughs> Let the
0: record reflect. Um, okay, we're not going to do Is It Still Good this week, our perennial segment, and which we run down things we would basically say the same thing about that we normally say. Instead, we're going to talk about things that... Tony and Logan want to talk about, or, in the case of this first book that I never get to talk about, because no one else on the show reads it, Silver Surfer. Again, they're full of... Okay, I won't say it twice. <laughs>
2: what? They watch Doctor Who, don't they? Yes. Why are they not reading Silver well, Surfer, then?
0: Actually, no one else on the show is caught up on Doctor Who. I love you guys. I am not throwing shade at you guys, but you know you're not caught up on Doctor Who, despite my telling you the second half of the last season is much better than the first. <laughs>
2: And the new season is, well, totally rocking. I, I love this new
0: season. I'm Bill,
2: throwing Bill. shade, though. Kyle Rayner's
1: the best Green Lantern.
3: Alan <laughs> Scott. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is the beginning of the
1: <laughs> panelology Flame War. Alan Scott. I, see, let me say, I actually am going to agree with Tony here. Yes. I don't usually count Alan... I don't usually measure Alan Scott against the other Green Lanterns, but, yeah. He, uh, Starheart, is mm-hmm. where it's at. Yes. I, uh... But, but Silver Surfer, Silver Surfer is, to me is the best book coming out of Marvel right I agree now. Um, and I have it is
0: not Unstoppable <laughs> Wasp so I don't completely agree but it is one of my top five
1: the, every week it is just exactly what a comic book is supposed to be it is exploring the absolute depths of what this medium can do yeah. it mm-hmm. is going to worlds that are uniquely comic book and, it, and it's getting it's getting Silver Surfer some of those character moments he has always needed yeah. yes he's such a brilliant really idea for a character but he prior to this his uses have always been sort of this this desperate observer.
2: Well, he's. Sort of, uh, what you said, I think it was about Mister Miracle, or what you said earlier. He's marvelous to me. He's a cosmic Jesus. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's what
1: he is. Yeah, uh, and and that that you really get that connecting him with Don Greenwood makes him so yes. much more of a of an of an attainable character because you get to yeah. see him interacting with another person. You get to see another person deal with his philosophy. Mm-hmm. Also. To me, my board is the funniest damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, Toomey, yeah. my board. Every time they call him Toomey, I have to stop reading and laugh. Yeah.
0: <laughs> like, the way that if Don's having a conversation with Toomey, Toomey will use her reflection, <laughs> but it will be his own response instead of an actual yeah. reflection yeah. of her. Like, the little things like that This just make this book. Oh, it's so good.
1: But this week's issue, i will we'll talk about how fun it is. We'll talk about how not fun it is. Yeah, it's got a Brian the K. Vaughan last, ending. Last week's yes. issue is the Very biggest sand. kick in the balls. Yes, it is. Very sad ending. Um, yeah. I do love, though, uh, the the story prior to that where they're dealing with Warrior One. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the, the, you see Norrin go through, you know, faking losing, trying yeah. to get away from this guy. <laughs> and when he finally hits him that page, it's so well-drawn. Because oh, it looks like it hurts so bad. Like, yeah. <laughs> like you can just see every inch of that punch and the dude being like, oh, we're done. We're done. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. No. I Slot. I get it. I get it. You're yeah. right.
2: You're, you're, you're stronger. Yeah, I recall thought Dan Slot and Mike Already really compliment each other a lot. Yeah, they're game. such a great
0: team. Yeah, they're a great team.
1: I, uh, To be honest, I really have never liked Dan Slot. Really? I, like, I will single myself out here. Yeah, I.
0: Yeah, uh, you're you're alone on this one. At least, I mean, yeah. maybe Tony'll back you up. I I'm not, well, I'm you know. not familiar with Everything
2: read, but I written, I,
1: but. I really didn't like his Spider-Man stuff, and I, I hated. I'm a huge Hank Pym fan. <laughs> okay,
2: Alex and is and grabbing his chest right when now. When <laughs> he,
1: when they they did Secret Invasion, which, as far as I could tell, was just an elaborate crossover to turn Hank Pym into not a wife abuser anymore, um, which is <laughs> one of the things I hate the most about that character. And Dan Slott, the minute he got him back. Hank Pym revealed that it wasn't the scroll that abused <laughs> Janet Van Dyne, and that that hurt my feelings so bad. I I've never liked him until this book. This Silver Surfer book is absolutely incredible. I I can't as as much as I was coming from a negative place with Dan Slott. I cannot sing this book's praises enough.
0: Well, I'll like, allow that. Anyone who can turn around Dan Slott for people who aren't. Pro Dan Slott, all, all, <laughs> I'll allow. I'll,
1: I'm gonna. I'll read books that he's on the title of anymore. Yeah. Whereas previously, I, I would hide from Dan Slott. He was See. in the box with Mark Millar, and
0: <laughs> I adore his Spider Man. I was so scared to start it. Spider Man was the last book I started when I got it. In, got into comics because I was just so afraid that a Spider Man book would let me down. Mm-hmm. Now, they... weirdly enough, my reference point for Spider Man is the cartoon from the '90s. So. Okay, so that's but, pretty
1: good. end I feel like that that show gives people a really good yeah. founding of what Spider-Man is. You might be weird when the Insidious Six show up and they call them the Sinister Six, but
2: yeah, well they were Sinister Six to begin with, right?
1: <laughs> I don't know. I've never understood why they changed it on the cartoon branding. It bothered me even when I was a kid. <laughs>
0: it's all about branding. Yeah. All right. How about you guys wanted to talk a little bit about future quests? So. Oh, love, love, fu- fu- future love, future Quest. Oh,
2: I mean this whole Hanna Barbera thing they've done. I mean, I've enjoyed the Scooby Apocalypse thing. It's been okay. Uh, I didn't like Mikey Graces that much, but you know, but they went a little too far afield on some of these. Reading future Quest is like reading a Hanna Barbera cartoon. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it really is, and it is, and that's also if you grew up watching that stuff like I did. Who doesn't want at some point? So, Wouldn't it be neat if Johnny Quest met Space Ghost? I
0: mean, I <laughs> literally for years, once the the Marvel Cinematic Universe started yeah. to gel, I kept and and Jen will vouch for me on this one. I had this this just deep deep desire for why does someone not take those Hanna Barbera yes. properties and do and this granted, Future Quest is not this, but do like an almost parody of. <laughs> Superhero yeah. movies with a building the team with now mine was Birdman <laughs> and Blue Falcon and Dino Mutt. So in so words
2: you have a, a Birdman movie and it ends at the at the end of the credits. Yeah, <laughs> somebody meets Space Ghost or they find the, yeah. the, the little old thing with Space Ghost. Or uh, <laughs> uh, 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 uh,
0: the chief shows up and yeah. recruits. <laughs> okay.
1: I but I, I love Future Chris. I'm gonna take it one step further. Not only does it does it read just like a Hanna Barbera cartoon, it reads like Hanna Barbera cartoons felt when you were a kid. Mm -hmm. And that's a big...
0: I am so glad you said that because I I, I come back to this point on anything that is nostalgic. There are two kinds of nostalgia books. There are... And Justice League Power Rangers is one of these. And I read it this week and I loved it this week and I love it because I loved Power Rangers as a kid and loved Justice League and seeing the Power Rangers unable to morph but wearing a bunch of like... The Green Ranger gets to wear Lex's power suit. (laughs) That's a cool moment. Yeah, Um, But it is not... Like a deep, dense read. It right. is not. Yeah. It is not a thing of thought and all that. It's a fun read. Yeah. But the other way to do it is to recreate the way a thing made you feel as a kid, mm-hmm. which is, in my mind, the best way to try to do nostalgia. Yeah.
1: Well, in That's Future right. Quest, even oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah. Future Quest even goes one step further too. It's not. It doesn't just replicate that style. It's good. Yeah. There is there mm-hmm. is literature in this book. The the part where Johnny and Haji have to come together to use the psychic matrix after um mm-hmm. after Dr. Quest and uh
2: Dr. Zen Dr. 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 Zen, Zen yeah.
1: have failed. Um both those beat, all four of those characters get a really important character beat there. Yeah. Yes. And Dr uh, Dr. Zen I don't think you have a more paper thin villain. Ain't that the truth in fiction <laughs> than the original Doctor yeah, Zen? But there's
0: that moment of regret. In where you, that. Yeah,
1: well, yeah. It, it's not just a moment. You realize that Doctor Quest hates him because of yeah, the death yeah. of his wife. But the moment, you know, they're both reliving the worst moment of their life. That Doctor Zen relives killing his wife as the worst moment of his life. That completely revolutionizes how yeah. I mm-hmm. look at this guy.
0: And they could have been friends and co-workers exactly. in yeah. the way they are for part of this arc. Yep. It's
1: funny that the it kind of brings them together. Yeah. But the thing that brings them together surprises them both so bad they can't do what That's they're right. trying to do. Have to get... um, and, uh, Johnny Quest. Johnny Quest is one of the best characters. Yep. Right. Agreed. And, they yes. really and you get to see Haji
2: without his turban. which is. Yes. Nice. <laughs> I'm going to take a minute to stick
1: up to Birdman, too. Birdman. Gets I, I love crap. Birdman. Harvey. Birdman's great. <laughs> I think Harvey Birdman... Buried him for a little well, while.
2: Well, I mean, they did some space coast coast to coast at the same time. Space <laughs> so, Coast. So.
1: Right. <laughs> I well, even Birdman's. I, I you know, I love the cartoon. I'm not knocking the Birdman mm-hmm. cartoon, but maybe the weakness of you collapse when you're indoors. Yes. Is rough, <laughs> and maybe when it doesn't happen in your base or when no one points it out to you, <laughs> that is a, that is a narrative problem. But I loved Birdman when I was yeah. a kid, even with that. Do you know, Superman for Nuclear Man weakness attached <laughs> yeah. to him. I, I thought he was fantastic. But,
2: and but the story's good and the art is good. I mean, it looks very. I mean, they've had a sort of. I know Steve Rude did some work on it, which was yeah, he fantastic. did. And a lot of it was uh, uh, Doc, Doc Shana. and these guys. These guys could be yeah, working for Hanna Barbera should be. <laughs> I, yeah,
1: I do want to say this is a slight tangent, but we talked about feeling like the Hanna Barberas felt when we were kids. Um, anybody listening, if you loved Thundar the Barbarian. That holds up. I went back in. And I, I, I got the full series, and I went Brother, back into Thundar. That was like, actually Ruby Spears.
2: I got it through that. That's, that's, that's true. Um,
1: I went back into Thundar expecting it to be like it was when I watched it as a kid. It was my favorite. But I but I was expecting it to be like when I went back to Birdman and went, <laughs> huh, this is really just a big metal umbrella. This probably shouldn't tank the protagonist. <laughs> so I sat back down with, for Thundar with that mentality. It is good. And it is yeah. a really singular... This blend of post-apocalypse mm-hmm. and fantasy, mm-hmm. um, it, it, it holds up. I, I recommend cool. it to anyone listening.
0: Cool. All right, last one. Right. Champions. I love this book love so, it.
2: so, so very much. I love the fact that it tackles some very good issues that you know, apply to teens of branding this yeah. issue. That is such a great storyline.
1: Here, here's my problem with champions. And I, oh. I didn't hate it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give it another shot. You've read it. the first one, right? Is that, have, that's what you read part it. of it is that I'm very sensitive about Marvel right now. And
0: mm-hmm.
1: when you're since sens- Marvel has become very preachy, I hesitate to say that because I don't really mm-hmm. disagree with what they're preaching. I just feel like every Marvel comic I read, that's not silver surfer. There's a part where the main character stops in the middle and talks into the camera about what's morally right in a mm-hmm. way that is very blatant. Um it's my it's my biggest problem with the Miss Marvel character. I really want to like her, but I can't get through an issue without her scolding another superhero
3: <laughs> about
1: being bad at being a superhero. Yeah. Um I'm gonna give now, I don't know that this one is that bad because she is making a good point. On the heels of Civil War two, someone really should be criticizing yeah. the Marvel heroes and the Marvel writers. Some more tunes. <laughs> <laughs> and the editors too right. <laughs> well, the record so,
0: reflect Alex didn't say anything this time.
1: <laughs> but I, I'm going to give it another shot because that may just be that that nerves a little too raw right now yeah. with everything going on with Marvel and See, I, I'm not loving Secret Empire as much as some of the other usual commentators do yep. on the show
2: I I'm, will... not, I'm not enjoying it either so I'll back you up on that
0: <laughs> But I will say this, I understand where you're coming from with Miss Marvel and being a little bit of a know it all. From the standpoint that she came into superheroism as a fangirl yeah. Yeah. and like writes fanfic about her favorite superheroes hooking up in space and things like that. <laughs> I feel like she's um, the- I love it a little bit just because she's she's the kid who feels like the expert even though she's never done it before.
1: Right. She, she is very much sort of Tumblr personified yeah. in a way, <laughs> True. you know, I, uh, I, I just wish, I, I wish they would let her have some, I, have, I haven't really read a story with her yet that had real meat that took her somewhere, you know, that changed her character, that, that had her deal with her values. Um, it's been a lot, of, and I haven't, I haven't read a ton of Miss Marvel. I usually okay. get one or two issues into whatever she's in and, okay. um, and she and she and she lectures a lot.
0: Because I've have you read her ongoing? I've read a little of her ongoing. Right. I'm like the first twelve or so deep in yeah. it, whatever the oversized hardcover is. Those right. are how I pick it up. I love her costume. When I um, say that am well, while well, I'm criticizing
1: her. I think it's one of the best looks of a new
0: character. I love her ongoing. Um, yes, so do I. And the thing that I think really makes it are the interpersonal relationships. She's the only superhero in that book for the most part. It's a lot about mm-hmm. her dealing with her family and weighing her family's expectations versus what she wants to do, who she wants to be, who she's become after Terra Genesis. Right. Um, and also like dealing with friends and secret identity and feeling like she knows the answers but And also having a, Oh boy be- does being, she screw being a up Muslim a lot. In yeah.
2: America too. It's a big part of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I understand what Logan. I think I understand what Logan's saying. I think, um, as far as the the for like, Robert from preaching this, I think it's being overdone. Yeah, uh, I mean, if it was not just Miss Marvel, that there's also America and yeah, I have you so well,
0: it,
2: I think. And I think also, unfortunately, people are kind of rebelling against that.
0: Yeah, and I also like. I think a little bit of what's going on here too is. What Brian and I talk about as the Nadia Pym problem, where in her in her title, An Unstoppable Wasp, mm-hmm. she is delightful. And mm-hmm. she's never preachy in that at mm-hmm. all. But even though it was actually Mark Wade who created her, the way he writes her in Avengers feels like a completely different character and one mm. who's pretty flat. I mentioned earlier the last issue of, of Avengers that Phil Noto drew Mm -hmm. Jeremy Whitley, who writes the ongoing co-wrote that. And a large part of that was to bring in just an infusion of that character. Um, and I think maybe to some degree, the people who aren't G Willow Wilson, who write Kamala Khan, maybe do make her feel a little more sanctimonious. It feels more natural, at least to me in her ongoing.
1: I and that that makes a difference a big thing. Yeah. You you touched on that you, you feel like people are getting tired of that preaching. Mm-hmm. I think I think that's part of it, but I think yeah. what Marvel's really got going on right now and and there's this huge there's this huge fracas over over politics with Marvel right now. Yes. If you if you get into any any fan forum, I don't think it has as much to do with pushing politics as people think though. I think that if I think that everybody steps back, what they're going to realize is what a lot of Marvel fans are mad about. Is that the characters that they want to read are not in the books? Yeah. Capsa, Capsa Hydra Nazi. Thor's you know lost his hammer and he's replaced. Hulk's dead and he's replaced. Iron Man's in a coma and he's replaced. I you know the characters are just they're not in they're not. Those the not the ones that yeah. people
2: reading with. A, yeah. I mean even if you know it from the movies, you know. Yeah. It's totally different. If but,
1: you're yeah. not a Peter Parker or a Deadpool fan, and you're a you're a Marvel Comics fan you're not getting to read. I mean, I'm I'm a huge Fantastic Four fan. Yeah. One of my yeah. absolute favorite books. And I know there's something going on there with Fox's rights. But I want a Fantastic Four yeah. comic and yes. I just can't buy it.
0: I feel like there's going to be this moment of the Fantastic Four coming back post Secret War universe melding that's going to be the equivalent of Wally showing up in rebirth. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm expecting. I think you're right in that I absolutely hear people say that. Like, I've had this conversation in comic shops, I'm sure we all have. Mm-hmm. I am a big fan of these sort of legacy characters who are showing up and taking on the mantle. I'm curious to see what Generations does with balancing the mm-hmm. traditional forms with the, the new I think at some point though there's and and civil war II, damn it i'm gonna i'm gonna do it I didn't do it earlier i'm gonna do it now <laughs> Civil War II, I think is emblematic of this it's not even I think that is definitely part of it. I also think there's this part of it that is, and this is what you're saying with miss Marvel too it's about expressing the idea very obviously it yeah. doesn't feel. Diegetic. It doesn't feel natural to what's happening there. It's like someone stops and goes into their spiel. And that's civil war two in a nutshell. It, nutshell, It's two people sitting there bickering, trying to have this big conversation of ideas that's never fleshed out well. And yeah. anything plot wise that happens is in service to the idea, not vice versa. The, the idea mm-hmm. should be in service to the plot.
1: Well, and I'll use, I'll use captain America as my example, cause he's probably my favorite Marvel hero. Yeah. Um, and,
0: uh, that last statement I made is very high level, and I recognize there are so many exceptions to that that are things that <laughs> I love. Just well, we did, but we did get there. champions yeah. out of Civil War too. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, to bring it back to, but so, yeah.
1: I, it, Captain America, I, 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 dropped when the Hydra issue reveal came, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of people say, well, then you have to get into the story, but it wasn't just about this comic. I, as a Captain America fan, have not been able to buy. A Captain America comic. Since when did he die? Which I mean, time? He was in <laughs> <America's> <laughs> run. Right, Brew Baker. Two thousand
0: seven. Yeah,
1: he oh. dies in that. Bucky takes over. Steve comes back. He's not Cap. He's yeah. Super Soldier. Yeah. Bucky's still Cap. Steve takes over. Brew Baker runs for sixteen issues. They're great. I, I loved that run. I'm, I'm not knocking Brew Baker. Then we switch over into
0: Marvel. Now,
1: Cap is. A raggedy hobo in another dimension. He's not. I doing, loved
0: hobo cap. <laughs> he's not. Well, I. But i, I, say I yeah. he's
1: not doing Captain America things. Then we come back for this, and he gets aged, and the Falcon is Captain America, and so he's coming back. And I had there, there's all this fanfare. He's de aged. They, re- they had this big special to release Steve Rogers is coming back to the book. It was on ABC, and I was pumped. I was like, man, Captain America comics. Finally, I'm going to get to read a new one as an adult, <laughs> and then the very first issue, he was a Hydra agent, and it didn't even—my brain didn't go to, uh well, he's a Jewish character, and they've turned him into a Nazi. Although I, I think that's a fair argument for some people, my brain went to, it, they did it to me again. It's going to be another year or two yes, of I Cap guess. stories that aren't. I get that. Yeah, that aren't about yeah. Cap, and I, I think that that I think that's where a lot of Marvel fans are.
0: I yeah. get that. And it happens with Cap a lot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: well, him years. and him and Superman are in this.
0: Yeah. I was gonna. I was about to say it's kind of yeah. a Superman problem. It's there are interesting ways to tell a Cap story or a Superman story, and there are ways to depower them and take them off the board. And it's kind of that Grant Morrison thing. And I know. And well, you, you said you'd like the Grant Morrison Superman run. Right. I, Still Grant I'm, Morrison, Batman. You are I'm very about.
1: divided on Grant Morrison. I, yeah. I think of Grant Morrison kind of like a modern Alan Moore. When he's on <laughs> Superman, he is dynamite. Yeah. When he's on Batman, I feel like I've been hit by dynamite. But it's kind <laughs> of a like Grant Morrison...
2: It's a dynamite. Uh, <laughs> um, That's a different company. You might have dynamite! <laughs>
0: it's kind of the, the Grant Morrison thing, though, yeah. where, okay, Superman's this sun god. Write that. Like, yeah. don't... Lean away from it. Lean into it.
1: Well, in All Star, also that's a good example of getting across high, you know, moral concepts yeah. without beating you over the head with it. There's a lot to unpack in All Star. Yeah. They're between him and Lex, uh, there's a scene in uh, there's a scene in All Star where him and Lex are, are facing off at the end, and he he knocks him out, and he says, you know, Lex, all through the story, talks about all the things he could have done. If not for Superman, and Superman says, "You could have done, any, you could have done anything if you yeah. wanted to." I remember yeah. that story. That's that's a moment that is teaching a moral lesson, as as blatantly in a lot of ways as as Civil War Two was trying to, right? The mm-hmm. idea of stop worrying about the consequences of other people and just do what you know you're supposed to do. But it's so interwoven into the story, and it's so subtle. That you can enjoy All Star Superman and go, that was a fun superhero yeah. adventure. Mm-hmm. Or you can enjoy All Star Superman and go, I learned something from that. And civil—that's where Civil War II fell apart for me. It was trying to teach me something, but it didn't entertain me first. Hey man,
2: just—I would still recommend you pick up a few more issues of Champions. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, I'm, I'll definitely give
1: it a shot. I'm—I'm in, I'm intrigued. I, 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 go ahead.
2: I mean, time. I just—it's again, it's a fun book. It does have good messages. And yeah. The latest one is about branding and. You know, basically how. I mean, and it's also going to message two kids.
3: Yeah. yeah. Well, and the
2: teenagers that you don't have to follow brands. You don't have to do right. this. You can
0: think for yourself. This may be a little, little bit of a spoiler, but I think maybe this will um, be something that knowing maybe helps hook well, you a ahead. little. Yeah. Um. The this this arc about branding. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, they, they make the champions brand and logo this thing that anyone can pick up. Let it be a movement. Let it yep. be this badge you wear and all that. Mm-hmm. So they don't bother copywriting it. So, this group of, they, they call themselves the freelancers. This group that the champions got under their skin uh, turns around and starts selling merchandise and overpriced knickknacks <laughs> and all that just to make them look yeah. bad. Like they beat them yeah. at that war of ideas, at least. For a battle, um, because the champions are being so aspirational that they've moved beyond realistic. Right. So it does swing both ways there in a very natural way in that well, arc.
1: The biggest thing, it reminds me, and this is, I'll talk about what I liked in Champions. It <laughs> reminded me a lot of the Peter David Humberto Ramos run on um, Young Justice. Yes. Which was, i I started reading comics. I you know, was four or five years old when I started reading mm-hmm. books. I wasn't allowed to read Marvel because it was the 90s. And yeah. <laughs> Marvel was a blood smear wrapped oh, in yeah. belt pouches. The, the Punisher <laughs> was an 18-bucks-a-month. <laughs> yeah, <I don't> <laughs> oh, so I started out comics reading Essentials of Marvel from the 60s, yeah. and, but I was getting to read Contemporary DC, and the first monthly books I was reading were Kyle Rayner as Green Lantern, Impulse, um, Tim Drake's Robin, Connell's Superboy, and, mm-hmm. and Young Justice really all came together. Um, and that that stro- this book really touched that nerve because I could see a lot of those characters and all of those concepts. Mm-hmm. Um, Made me wonder how much Ramos actually had with plotting the- had to do with plotting those books because he's on this book as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I'm very excited. I love Young Cyclops. Young Cyclops, yeah. I think, is my favorite Marvel superhero yeah. right now.
0: I like Young Cyclops more than I have ever actually liked hmm. Cyclops before. I I so think I'll, I'll, I'll allow I, I, can, it. I can't
2: even get along the, the whole X Men chronology now i can't keep up <laughs> i felt so bad i mean we could fill that wall over there with it yeah I, I read
1: x-men gold number one yeah so did i and then that that controversy blew up and i had this real moment where i was like i really want to drop this book because i did not have fun reading it and i paid to have fun on the other hand i do not want people to think that i care about <laughs> this weird art snafu <laughs> <laughs> so do i do i hold on for two more issues i don't like Just to let people know that it wasn't this editorial mistake. I just didn't care. (laughs) I was basically,
2: I'm just interested in this. It
1: was so boring. It was so, you know, it was like you had a conversation with somebody about the X-Men and you just, and you said what you liked and they only took like the the basics of what you liked and didn't put anything else in it, you
0: know? Jen, as of the third issue, has talked me into giving that book a second shot. So I'm going to do that this week. Pick up three and Mm -hmm. four. And see. Please, please let me know because yeah, I, yeah. I liked the X-Men Prime and I liked the first one okay it felt like sort of a uh, we're going to build a classic looking X-Men and 2 didn't move forward for me hmm. but 3 apparently fixes that and hmm. makes it a book with forward momentum so we'll see um, I'm going to give it a go alright it's about time for us to wrap things up. We're knocking on a two hour episode. Okay. Um, so, long box book report. This is on me. Um, have either of you ever read the adult, adult, wow, occult, <laughs> not adult, the occult files of Dr. Spectre? No.
2: Are you talking the original Gold Key? Or, um, the, or the one that Dynamite put out years ago? Well, this is
0: from 1976. No. Nope. Number 22. No.
2: Yes, I have. That is way back. Uh, That's written, a little way back.
0: Written by Don Glut, art by Jesse Santos. <laughs> oh, it's actually, I found out it's pronounced glute. Okay. Yeah, I, Don Glute.
2: Yeah, glute. So. All right. I am mispronouncing glute. It. I'm it. i it too for years. Okay. I don't actually know
1: which one of those is better.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I know it's Glut, and then somebody said, no, it's glute. If you're made of he okay. tells you it's glute. Oh, okay. okay. I, want so, so, I want right. to be Glut or glute. <laughs> neither, one, neither one's great. but <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Well,
0: glute lets you at least make the groot, So yeah. <laughs> uh Don Glute. Um, this is a very 70s comic. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Specter's cousin, uh, <laughs> Anne, maybe? Uh, we'll call her Anne. <laughs> okay. Is harassed by an owl-headed demon creature who wants to kidnap her. I hate it when that happens. So she <laughs> goes to him for help. Uh, he and his girlfriend sidekick, whose name is Lakota, who is a Native American woman, and who he does occasionally call Pocahontas. Oh, Lord. <laughs> this is <a> definitely pre. <laughs> yeah.
1: pre well, Will. Yeah. Uh,
0: does not really want any part of dealing with this occult shit. Um, that does not stop him, especially when his uncle, her father, the, the cousin's father, shows up as a ghost or maybe an astral projection. Then the gold key character, the owl, shows up out of retirement because, well, there's this owl monster here, and everyone assumes it's me, but he can fly and I can't, so I really need to clear my name. So I'm going to help you guys. <laughs> Here's a salt lick. We'll lure him in. So they fight in the trees where he, at this where, where the owl, Andrus, has at this point kidnapped uh, Anne OA2. And conveniently... Dr. Specter has a copy of the same Demonomicon that her <laughs> father used to summon Andrus years ago, and uses it to banish Andrus, except what a twist! Andrus was her father all along. Interesting. Dun dun dun!
1: Yeah. And they, um,
0: they had another Demonomicon sitting around. Yeah, yeah like... Well, you probably go to the bookstore and get that. Like <laughs> you yeah. Big reveal in the issue, like... I happen to have a copy too <laughs> um,
2: There's a reason why I never got into Gold Key Comics <laughs>
0: Like the art of this is Actually pretty alright for the mid 70s But oh, Like as soon as as soon as You get like the two pages in And have just the basic understanding of what's going on It's like oh okay that, that's her dad That is her dad trying to kidnap her because it's her dad And he's been warped by the steam and he tried to summon He's not dead okay yeah, One thing I love about the Gold Key concept is nobody gives up on them. Because <laughs> they went no. to Valiant, they
2: went to Dark Horse for a the Law, they're now at Dynamite. Somebody's going to make these things popular. Again. That's where
1: Magnus and Solar started. <laughs>
0: right? Yes. right. Now, I will read this Magnus book that is coming up soon that Kyle Higgins is writing. Yeah. I will read it. I, I read, don't I read know f- if I will read more than one. I, don't, I read the first
2: couple of ones that Dynamite <laughs> put out and just wasn't
1: impressed by Magnus Robot Fighter yeah. is proof that... Your concept doesn't have to be complicated to be awesome. <laughs> I'm <remember> going <laughs> well, a you... superhero
0: that karate chops robots. Well, yeah, Russ Manning doing the art back in the day. Yeah. Whoa, hello. <laughs> well, I usually like Kyle Higgins. I've liked him on Nightwing, so I'll I'll give him a try here. I like his Power Rangers book. His Power Rangers book is real good. Speaking of books that get the feel of a yeah. thing you watched <laughs> as a kid, the Power Rangers book is real, real good. All right, well... Thank you both for coming on this week. Does either of you have anything you'd like to plug? I know you just wrapped *Mockingbird*. Do you have anything coming up next? Uh, *Hacking My Snow* can plug some books. Yeah, sure. Sure. Because we actually talked about this one was
2: on the uh, show six months ago. It's out now. Uh, We talked about the James Bond books that Dema is putting out. So good. The Felix Leiter book is out now, written by James Robinson. Uh, For those who don't know, Felix Leiter is a friend of James Bond in the books and the movies, and he spun off the. Move more from the books on this. Uh, this reminds me a lot of a book Robinson did in the '90s called Firearm for the Malibu.
0: Yeah, I, love, I love Firearm. Firearm is oh, a no. great book. Yeah, we didn't yeah. talk about Nick Fury. Which one of you said you read Nick Fury? I read it. What did you think of Nick Fury? Speaking of James Robinson, well, well very quickly, Spice. I like
2: his. I like the art. Um, I'm sorry, I like the story. The art is all over the place. <laughs> somebody is trying to be Jim Steranko. And that's all I to say.
0: <laughs> you are with Jen mm-hmm. on this one. I will say, I love it. And I love the crazy psychedelic. Oh, I, don't really, I
2: don't think it's bad, but it's obvious
0: that's what they're shooting. Yeah, for. sure.
2: Um, anyway, just to get back to uh, the Felix Leiter thing. Yeah. It deals with him, uh, in Japan and, uh, dealing with a suicide cult. Cool. So it's, uh, I think the fourth issue's out now. It should be in trade. Yeah. Pretty soon. And, uh, I always plug in cause I did it cause you asked about trades. I'm going to plug kill Shakespeare. Yes. The, the first two issues of the prologue, uh, Passes prologue about Juliet is out.
0: And I picked up the first volume of that on your recommendation, Good. in
2: fact. I'm always trying to get people. It's yep. the, i say it's the best Vertigo comic never not published by Vertigo.
0: Yeah, it's a lot That's of fun.
1: So, um, what I'm about actually going to plug personal stuff if you want. Do, Do it. I, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Burley Nerd Review and on Instagram at Burley Nerd Review. And uh, later this summer, I will be releasing my first book. Uh, it's oh, wow. The Last Days of Meta-Man. It's about a superhero who sacrifices his life to save his universe. And then wakes up in the real world where he finds out the whole thing was a contrived plot by the comic creators to reboot him being more modern and relatable. Oh, that's cool. Um, and kind of how he deals with that. Uh, there will be a website up soon, but uh, I, of course, will post about that yeah. on my Twitter and stuff. I'm hoping to have it dropped in July.
0: Cool. Cool. Well, um, thanks again. We'll have to have both of you back at some point Certainly. here in the future. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks to to the Legion Theater for hosting us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And we should be back to normal for us next week. Um, Until then, I'm Alex. I'm Tony. I'm Logan. Good night and good luck.